All right, folks, we're going to gonna wrap, gonna round this thing down pretty good here. So as Rand was talking about uh, getting the law, got your own eye, which is so very, very important. Uh, uh, that's one of the challenging principles uh, in that because, as he said, you hypocrite. And there's generally two types of logs uh, that we have. Uh, first, we need to ask uh, whether we have a critical, negative, or overly sensitive attitude that led us to a necessary conflict. So that's kind of the first thing. It's our inner stuff that's happening. And sometimes some of us are just negative, some of us are critical, um, sensitive, overly. And so is that something that contributes to the uh, conflict that we're having? Is just something within us. And the second kind of log we've got to deal with is the uh, things that we might actually use, simple words and actions. So some of the things we do, uh, not some of the things we are or think, some of the things that we actually do can, can create that. Um, and we're usually blind to these things uh, because, again, when we operate in, in some of these attitudes and actually we have, it's just who we are, we think. <laughs> so we're just blind to that stuff. And sometimes some of the things we do are, are very offensive to people, or caustic, uh, the folks there. And so we need to uh, be able to recognize, first of all, those things within us and uh, we also need to be able to identify maybe there's some ways in which we offended the other person. Before we start looking at the offense towards us, is there some way that I contributed to the offense, that I in some way offend the, import, uh, the other person? Because it's, it's important to admit our wrongs honestly. We need to examine ourselves and admit our wrongs honestly and thoroughly. That is so key. That's why self-examination is so important. And uh, one way to do this is to make a genuine, a genuine confession. And uh, another aspect of uh, getting that log out the eye <laughs> is uh, to look at the root cause of our behavior. And I talked a little bit about that with our business. We always did root cause analysis. But look at the root cause of our behavior. Why are we doing the things we're doing? Why do we react the way that we react? And, uh, and the Bible teaches us a lot about conflict. And conflict really starts a lot of times in the desires of our hearts. Uh, as it talks about in James chapter 4, um, 1 and 3, it says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? <laughs> That's a good question. What causes fights and quarrels among us? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Oh, never thought about that maybe come from my desires that battles within me. Huh. You desire, but you do not have. So you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and you fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives. That you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So those are the questions we need to examine, just examine ourselves with. You know, why do we quarrel? Why do we battle? Why do we fight? What are the things that's inside of us that battles with us? What are the things that we want and desire that maybe God doesn't want for us? And maybe there's things he wants, but we never ask him for. The script says you have not because you ask not. 
And then sometimes we ask with the wrong motives. And God's going to give us to it stuff with the wrong motives. So we need to examine and check those things out. And then in Matthew 15, 18, 19, it says, but the word you speak comes from your heart. And that's what defiles you. For from the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. And so some of those things are, are, are there. And again, we need to spend time with our Father asking Him to reveal us things. Some of our work with some of men I've worked with and, and coached, I asked them about their quiet time. Whereas a lot of guys don't have quiet time. I asked them, when do you commune with God? I asked them about their prayer life. I asked them about, do you go off to a spiritual retreat at times? Just you and God. Well, when I'm hunting, I really like sitting out there and just me and nature. No, I'm asking you, is there times you go out and your only purpose is to be with God? <laughs> no other agenda. No other reason for being out in his creation but to spend time with him. Have you taken two days off just for a personal retreat? No, I haven't. Well, how are you going to find out some of the stuff you need to find out? Because you're not going to find it out in the business of our day. We're not going to find it out in the business of our work. We're not going to find out in the business of life and our responsibilities and duties. We find out things because we take time because it's important. And we show God how important it is because we take time to be with him. And we say, Lord, show me things. Reveal to me even my intentions of my heart. Show me why I'm battling this thing. And you want to know something? That's a request he will answer. <laughs> He'll let you know those things. He'll give you insight into you. That's how I learned a lot about me is going off and spending time with him. And to such an extent... And such changes that Ren has asked me, uh, when is the next time you're going off? Because <laughs> I come back changed uh, somehow a little different because of my time with God. And so I challenge you as we examine ourselves, how important is it to you to really find out those things? To really put some effort in discovery. Some self-discovery. Because God wants to show us what the root causes are. And sometimes they just come from bad childhood. <laughs> they come from events that took place. A lot of different things we have. Some disappointments. Some losses that we've had. And God will reveal that to us so we can see it and nip it. And move on beyond it. It is powerful when you were talking about the discoveries of, of having that time, um, which is creating an opportunity for God to speak in an environment where we'll listen. That's really, he's always speaking, but what we're doing is creating an opportunity for ourselves to be in a position in an environment where we can hear his voice, which is normally speaking to us, but it's competing with the busyness of the day. Or the busyness of being connected all the time or responsibilities, whatever it may be. But I like the way you said when you said that, you know, during that time, the Lord may take us back and recall or remind us or 
bring to the forefront something that might have happened to us that was negative or a disappointment. And sometimes it could be something that comes in a term of a success that we have encountered that's become the priority of our life and everything else has become minimized by that. So it's an opportunity for our priorities to be recalibrated because what happens over time is we go from one season of life to another keeping the same schedule, the same responsibilities, the same focus, and it's like, no, a new season brings opportunity for a fresh perspective and a different set of activities. And I can bring it to the natural realm. Okay, we're going from summer to fall. Summertime is mowing the lawn. Summertime is gardening. You know, there's just so many different activities that come along with summer. There's vacation. There's just all kinds of things that you do. Well, when we come into fall, there's a different set of responsibilities. Um, our work is, uh, and our day is impacted by the shortage of sunlight, you know, some more than the others, like this is the season some people start getting sad because they have seasonal affective disorder or whatever it may be. But if we try to keep the activities and the focus and the perspective and long for the things of summer without dealing with the reality of the season that we're in that's fall, do you see how confused and fogged we get? Because we're trying to combine two things into one when really, in actuality, we've moved. We've physically moved from, from summer into fall. Life can be like that. If we move from one season of life into another without getting God's perspective of what the priorities are, we'll keep doing the same meetings. We'll keep doing the same volunteer efforts. We'll keep doing the same activities. We'll keep trying to juggle the same responsibilities. And God's saying, no, I freed you from that. You're free to that because you're in a new season. And being quiet and listening can bring focus to what the priorities are in the present season. So it's actually freeing. And that's why I get excited about him going away. Because what happens is I see him unload some of these self-imposed expectations that he has on himself of things that he needs to do. And it's like, oh my goodness, I didn't realize how busy and how much things I'm involved in. And it's like, it's a time to let some of them go. And it's like... Isn't that renewal and refreshing? It really, really is. Women know all about that when you do your spring cleaning or you, what you know. I learned in Lancaster County, they call ridding it out, rid out. Well, when you rid yourself <laughs> of all these extra things, it's like it's a good feeling because it just creates space and margin. How many of you want margin in your life? Margin, yes. Mm -hmm. So that's how you get it. Also, too, just not just I go on spiritual retreats, but also she does, too. And uh, sometimes I actually set up stuff for her to experience that time. And, and so I take the responsibilities of the house over and let her be free to go do that. So we have to be willing to do that for each other because she gets changed too. I get another package when she comes home. So it's <laughs> <laughs> so very important. So let's do the reconciliation. There you go. Go in the fifth one here in this terms of how you deal with conflict is to go and be reconciled. And that's what the scripture was in Matthew where it says, leave your sacrifice, leave your offering, leave your honor and acknowledgement of God and leave from there and go be reconciled with someone else. And one of the substantive issues of conflict are often solved through negotiated solutions. Um, the relational differences require confession and forgiveness and often from both parties. And, you know, we get the opportunity as mediators uh, and facilitators sometime to 
um, bring a safe environment for people to have some of those crucial conversations where healthy boundaries need to be set or clarity about activities and behaviors and attitudes that have gone on in the past and people are saying we're done with this and we want to do something new and often it does come after you've had that time of self-awareness and God revealing it to you, a time of repentance and really asking for forgiveness and starting from a clean slate. There is nothing more healing and freeing and peace-giving and life-giving than knowing that you were forgiven and that you can give forgiveness to others. It's a powerful thing. I mean, just think, we don't have to carry the weight of what the failures that we had last year, years ago, or even yesterday. Because today is a new day, and new mercies were extended to us. And that mercy comes along with forgiveness. So when we extend forgiveness in the midst of conflict, and we extend forgiveness when we know someone has something against us, it's so freeing, and it does bring about um, a new environment. And just uh, thinking about that, uh, reconciling forgiveness, uh, when I talked about, God showed me my thing about uh, having my children afraid of me, um, and when he gave me that revelation and, and healed me and cleared me up and dealt my anger and got rid of a lot of that for me, set me free from that, uh, I literally went, my older two children were living in other parts of the country, and I literally went and had conversations with the older two telling them my discovery and to ask for forgiveness because I wasn't the dad that I should have been. And I know that the things I did scarred you and hurt you. And my desire and goal is for you not to walk in that, but that you would be set free for not just your life, but for generations beyond you, Mm -hmm. that the things that I started down the family line would be cut off and that you can have a freedom to create a new family inheritance. And so I literally had to go do that. Um, regardless of what their response was, I knew I had to go do that and, and face that in front that I dealt with my younger daughter uh, first, obviously, because she was there and I just had to, and she got able to see the, the new dad, but the other two were older and they weren't at the house to see the new dad. So I had to go let them know this new dad who was out there. And that just creates such an opportunity for God to be at work. In Colossians chapter 3, Um, verses 12 through 14 says, and since God chose you, he chose you to be the holy people that he loves, you must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourself with love which binds us together in perfect harmony. Love covers a multitude of sin. Um, Even when we are married or related, um, connected to a sinful person, and we allow God's love to flow through us, it can cover the nakedness of that person's sin if we allow ourselves to be the vessel of God's loving grace and forgiveness. It's hard to get there. (laughs) It is so hard to get there, especially when you realize that they deserve some of what they're experiencing. 
But when we look beyond that and say, God, we don't get what we deserve. I don't get what I deserve. I don't know about you, but I don't get what I deserve. God has given me so much infinitely more than I deserve in terms of goodness and love and kindness and forgiveness. And so when I know that, I'm reminded that I can give it to others, that I don't feel measure up to my expectations or that hurt me. And it says here in 1 Corinthians 13, love does not demand its own way. 1 Corinthians 13, 5, love does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no account or record of being wronged. And then Psalms 103, 12 says, Christ has removed our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. He never remembers them anymore. Yes, it says in Isaiah 43, 25, yes, I alone will blot out your sins for my own sake and will never think of them again. So he did it for his sake. So when we forgive others, whose sake can we also do it for besides our own? We can do it for his sake, that he would get the glory and honor. And forgiveness is a spiritual process that we cannot fully accomplish on our own. We do need to ask God for continued grace to do that, to walk in that. Because it is so easy to be offended. And it is so easy for us to believe the negative. Um, I don't know if Adam has this situation or not, but when I pastored, I would get emails and letters just saying what a great guy I was. You had a great pastor. Were you the best thing since sliced bread? I, I just love you. And uh, <laughs> I don't know if you get any of those, but I used to get some of those. And now I would get this one email that talk about you're a crappy man. Whoever let you in the pulpit. And that would do so much damage to me. I would jump on that negative. Forget all the positive affirmations. And I, that negative would take me down. And she would see it. Like, what happened? You were so bubbly just a few minutes ago. Oh, do you all see this email I just got? <laughs> and, which I quit doing, letters back before email, letters that was unsigned. Was be some of that. And I, I determined at that point, I'm not going to read any unsigned letters. And I told people, I said, you send me something unsigned? It's going to file 13. I'm not even going to waste the time reading it if you can't put your name on it. Because it used to take me down. And it's just so easy to get so negative so quickly. And uh, so you have to move beyond that and walk in this thing of forgiveness and be ready to, to deal with it and ask God to help you because it's not an easy thing to do. It's a battle. It's a fight to walk in forgiveness. But it is so freeing to do that because God has given you, forgive you so much more and he's asking you to really forgive us so little in comparison. And then we need to go do that. And it's such a hard thing and a challenging thing to do that when the disciples were with Jesus and he said, they said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Teach us what's the important thing is. And we see you talking to the Father, but we don't know how to pray. How do we do that? And when you dissect the Lord's Prayer, there are some pretty profound and significant components of it. And one of the central ones is forgiveness. 
forgive us this day. Oh, excuse me. I meant to give us this day. You know, forgive those. Forgive us as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. Against us. So daily, 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 you know, that's a daily prayer. You know, forgive us our trespasses or our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. So it's that daily kind of a thing because we forget. It's, it's hard for the flesh to do, but God can enable us to do it. So you may be in that state. You're ready to go get it done. You're ready to forgive. And then you run into the unreasonable people <laughs> who don't want any relationship with you. <laughs> Don't want to walk any forgiveness. <laughs> and uh, they've hardened their hearts. And they refuse to be reconciled with you. So what do you do? What do you do with that? Well, there's two ways you can prepare for this possibility. First, remember that God does not measure success in terms of results. But in terms of faithful obedience. Really, that comes up to God anyway. You just have to be obedient to do what God has called you to do. All God expects us to do is to obey his will as faithfully as possible. To obey his will as faithfully as possible. Romans twelve eighteen. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. If you do that, no matter how the conflict turns out, you can walk away with a clear conscience before God. Because you have done what he's asked you to do, and he will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Even when we do mediation, we try to tell people, we don't know what the outcome is going to be. It's up to God, really. We hope to provide the environment that that can take place, maybe the crucial conversation take place. But really, the outcome is in God's hands. We're just supposed to do what God's called us to do. We have been given the ministry of reconciliation. He said, now go and reconcile the world unto me. That's what our job is. (laughs) We're called to live at peace. Some people just don't want to live in peace. They love being miserable. It's called the, uh, the tyranny of the familiar. There are some people who prefer to be in squander, prefer to be in desolation, prefer to be angry because it's familiar. And to make a change takes them into the unfamiliar and they don't want to go into the unfamiliar. Mm-hmm. Even though the unfamiliar is better, the tyranny of familiar says you stay in the familiar. Because you know it at least. It's ugly, but you know the ugliness. You take a step over on this side, you don't know what it is, so it's scary, it's fearful. And there's some people who just wants to stay there. Well, then that means we need to pray for them more because they want, God wants them set free. So you pray for them more to get there in freedom, and you don't put it down on them. You don't say, well, you know, they won't be reconciled, so I'm not going to worry about it anymore. No, you pray more for them because God wants them free. He wants them to walk in freedom. He wants them to experience what you experience. And then second, resolve that you not give up. <laughs> Find a biblical solution. That you will not give up. If the dispute is not easily resolved, you won't say, well, I tried biblical principles, I know, and they didn't work. It's like I have to handle it another way. That's, no, that's not what it says. You still handle it God's way. A Christian should never close the Bible on this. Should never close the Bible on this. And when you try to resolve a conflict and but does not see the results, 
Then you go more earnestly to God in prayer. You study his word and then receive counsel of his church. You go get some help, talk to some mediators, go talk to some counselors, some therapists, whatever, to find out how can we work through this. So again, we're trying to get there. And uh, Colossians uh, 3, uh, verses 1 to 4 says, Since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things on earth. For you died to this life, and your real life, and your real life is hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is your life, and with Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you shall share in all of his glory. So the reality is, is that in Christ we have overcome evil. In Christ we can pray for those who despitefully use you. In Christ we can really turn the cheek when we've been slapped on one side to do the other. When we've been commanded to walk with somebody for a mile, we can go two miles. When someone wants to take our shirt, we give them the whole coat. That's the only way we can do that. Because <laughs> the flesh says no. <laughs> our sinful nature says no. Our brain says no. But God says yes. And because of my spirit in you, you can do this. You can do this. And we start by... Five principles. One, control your tongue. Ephesians 4.29 says, bless those who curse you. Bless those who curse you. Don't use foul language or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words can be an encouragement to those who hear them. If we can master that one, that's a biggie. Controlling our tongues. Because the thing is, we want to we wanna lash back. That was the one thing that got me going. That's what my anger does, is that my, my anger wants to fight back. And you get me angry, and baby, look out. Because I'm going to win this deal. You don't want to see the ugly side of Dwayne, is what I used to tell people. You don't want to see the ugly side. You don't want to see the dark side. It's ugly over there. I let that be an excuse. <laughs> no, you don't want to see the dark side because the dark side is dead now. <laughs> There's been light now on that side. I'm no longer Dwayne Britton that I used to be, but I'm Dwayne Britton in Christ now, the new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. I've learned a new way of talking. I've learned a new way of reacting. And then seek godly advisors. I mean, seek the, seek the people who are there to help you. Identify those. Uh, don't isolate yourself. Ask for help. I got an issue. I got somebody. I need get a prayer partner. Get an intercessor to go with you. Whatever. Get get somebody on your side that can keep you doing uh, to keep you working. And then also just keep doing what's right. Don't respond to someone's negativity. Don't respond to someone's negative actions. Keep doing what is right, because that's being obedient. It's not about our sacrifice. It's about our obedience. And that's what God is looking for. He's looking for obedient servants. We know what his will is. And we just need to walk in that. Recognize your limitations. Instead of retaliating, 
stay within proper biblical channels. We don't, we're not retaliators. We're reconcilers. How can we be reconciled? That has become the priority. And then I love this last one. Use your ultimate weapon, deliberate and focused love. Deliberate and focused love. Um, let me saw the movie Fireproof. It's kind of a lot of you here. What did that, what did that husband do? Deliberate and focused love. He kept doing things. Did his wife receive that in the beginning? Did she? That was a question. <laughs> did she receive it after a couple things that he did? No, she didn't. Many of us would just been discouraged. He was getting discouraged. I can't do this, man. I'm doing all this great stuff. Can't you see I'm different? I don't see what I'm trying to do. And no, she doesn't. But you got to keep deliberate and focused love. To be honest with you, we're still going through an issue with our middle daughter. But we keep deliberate and focused love on her. We still send her cards. Few texts here and there. Because again, we want relationship. We've already did the healing process. We've already did confession. We we worked, did a lot of stuff. Therapy. Therapy. Went to therapists. Went to counselors. Again, I'm a counselor, but I went to a counselor because that's a smart counselor. Know that they need counseling, and you'll get help when you need help instead of thinking I do this for a living. So, so what? <laughs> you need help. <laughs> We did all that, and there's still that rejection. But it's not a rejection because of what we do. It's really a rejection of her not having a great relation with God, her father. It's not me, her father, but God, her father. So our job and our goal is still pray for her. Mm -hmm. We pray for our children every day. I mean, literally, we pray for our children every day. We told them that we're going to do that when they were younger. We said we're going to pray for you every day, and we still do that. We lift them up by name. We lift up their husbands by name. We lift up our grandchildren because we have deliberate and focused love because we know that's the ultimate weapon. That love is going to win her. That love is going to win her. And the end of the story is not written yet. God is at work. Luke 6, uh, 27 and 31 says, But to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. Someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give any gift to anyone who asks. And when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. The beauty of, of these steps here, if you would just do them, it will protect you from being consumed by the asset of your own bitterness and resentment if people continue to oppose you. Because it's going to be so easy to get bitter when you did all you can do and there's still rejection, it's so easy to get bitter. But when you do this type of stuff, it keeps you from getting bitter. It keeps you moving on, pressing on.
Because if other people persist doing what's wrong, you continue to trust God that he's in control. And he is going to bring his reconciliation in his timing. And that is the kind of patience that we're going to need to see God do what he needs to do. Because we keep forgetting that our timing is not God's timing. We look at something as being so long and God looks at it being so short. A day is a thousand years to God. A thousand years is a day. So we look at our little lives here, 70, 80, 90, maybe someone makes 100. It's still only a gust of wind passing through in God's scheme of things. So if it takes five years, 10 years, 15 years for reconciliation, it's not a big thing for God. It's not a big time. It seems like a long time to us. But if we stay focused and deliberate and do the things that God's called us to do, victory is going to come. And when the victory comes, I mean, oftentimes people, when they're in the process and the end of the story isn't written yet and it's delayed, you know, it says, and though the vision, it says in Habakkuk, though the vision, the vision tarries, wait for it, be hopeful for it. But some people grieve because there's lost time. Like, why are we losing all this time? There's five, ten years, a generation where it's lost. But you know what God says? That he restores the years. He can add to the years. He can bring richness to what appeared to be lost years where the locust or the thief came in and robbed, stolen, and destroyed. He can restore it because he's a restorative God. He's a God who rewards and blesses. So that's why it says, keep in hope. Don't faint. Don't become weary in your well-doing. Because if you do, you will reap a harvest. Those of you who come from an agrarian background, you know that if you plant, if you labor, if you do those activities that's, that are necessary to bring a harvest, the harvest eventually comes. Even asparagus comes up every other year. <laughs> but the harvest eventually comes. That's his promise. He's a God of seed time and of harvest, right? And he's with us in each time. So if you're laboring in the heart, in the, if you're laboring in that period of time, be diligent in your laboring because God brings the harvest and he's the one that adds the increase. The bumper crop, that's God's doing. That's God's doing. So as we look to honor him and say, God, I'm willing to take a risk and I'm willing to take the step for conflict to be resolved through your boldness I can do this the outcome is his but he's glorified in it and what happens we get to grow in the process we get to grow in the process amen thank you Uh, we wanted to use these last few moments if there's any questions or comments that you would have um, for our time, uh, we'd like to deal with those now. I'll start with one. It was asked for, um, during our small break that we had, and that is anger. Is it okay to be angry? And you know, anger is an emotion, and it's what we do with anger that can cause it to be positive or negative. So is it okay to be angry? 
it is okay to be angry and acknowledge you're angry. Some people deny their anger, and it's not a very healthy thing. You know, they can be feeling the emotion of anger and not express it, allow it to be expressed, to come out in a healthy way or shared or even acknowledged. And anger at inward can cause people some real serious health problems, emotional um, issues. So if you're feeling angry, it's good to express it. It's just learning how to express it in a healthy way. Start by saying, you know, that was hard for me to say that I'm, an ang you know, that I'm angry about this because it felt like it was a, I was a failure because I was admitting to anger because I came up in an environment where you're not supposed to be angry. So we kind of taught people erroneously or incorrectly that you're not supposed to feel angry. Well, anger is an emotion. So it is okay to be angry. It's what we do with it. I always say use the energy that you have from anger to work on a solution instead of working for destruction. Because mine's was destructive anger. I've learned how to turn my anger into hopefully something that we work on a solution. Mm -hmm. Raina, why don't you tell me what we do? Yeah, we've gotten a few questions of what we do. And um, we are living in a season of our life which is the fulfillment of a dream and a vision. We saw... Um, for many, many years, us working together um, as a husband and wife team. And when we've done lots of things together, like I said, pastored and you know, been missionaries and um, ministered to couples and just whatever God had for us to do, we'd find ourselves doing it. But we had this thing of where we realized there's this synergy and this gifting that he's given us to flow together. And so we came up with this term um, many years ago called mobile equipping. And we saw ourselves not tied to any one thing that would keep us from being available to serving, teaching, ministering, and equipping other people, churches, and individuals. So about seven years ago now, we went through a phase where we got um, individual assessments and coaching done and it helped to clarify and bring to life what our future was going to look like. And we're actually living our future now, those seven years later. Uh, in 2008, we started um, a business model. Um, nonetheless, it's ministry through a business model and business through a ministry model called Britain Consulting Group. And so um, our, the services that we offer are we do business consulting and organizational development. Uh, we do marriage enrichment. Um, which is an exciting process, and what we do through that is couples who desire a new season of life or to live more of a vitalized marriage, uh, we have a process and a program that we go together with them, listening to them um, share what their um, goals or their dreams or their visions would be or the season of life that they're in and progress or improvements that they would like to make. So based on that, we give a number of assessments that they go through, then we spend um, a 24-hour period away um, ourselves and that one couple going through their assessments. Um, discovery and learning um, usually goes on. And then clarity, further clarity about what their future is. And then for the following four to six months, um, we help them to design and bring more clarity to those goals and then coach them to achieve them. That's just designed for an executive leadership couple. Leadership couples. Um, and then we do meet, um, peace mediation, conflict mediation. Um, so, yeah, it's exciting, the things that we do both in business and in ministry. So we're living that out. 
And my, our vision is, is that I do um, the business and ministry with Duane now, and I'm still at Lancaster General, but in the, at some point in the future, I see myself retiring because I've been there 21 years. I see myself retiring from this and us doing this full time into the next season of our life. So as God has continued to grace us with vitality and good health, uh, we'd like to do those services not only here in our local area, but we love international missions and supporting and resourcing um, leaders in other countries. And so we'll continue to do that as well. And also goal, too, is to uh, find some other consultants that we can pour in our values and and that they can continue the legacy because we just don't aren't doing this for ourselves but we want to find people we can pour in some of our qualities into them that they can continue on way beyond when we're long gone and then to one develop a, we have a model that we're working on uh, that we actually would like to um, have a foundation part of our our uh, business that will allow us and allow any of our consultants to go to different parts of the world and be able to provide these services to uh, third world entities uh, at a fraction of the cost because we, the foundation would cover uh, a lot of that. So that's our ultimate goal, and that's a vision that we've written down and we're running with and don't know how it's all going to pan out, or, but that's our goal and our desire. So that's a little bit about us. And, and there's some material about us on the, uh, as you way on the table, and there's some mouse pads there. Feel free uh, to take what you want there. And please turn these evaluation sheets in because it's really our desire is to learn and uh, to know how we're doing. Pastor. Okay, I want to just couple quick announcements. I'm not preaching or not continuing the morning or the, the day. I just want to make a couple announcements, a couple comments, and then get us out of here. Uh, first one, thanks so much for being here. I know we kind of made light of it, the storm coming in. I do realize um, the f- Saturdays are precious, precious times to begin with. Uh, there's a lot you could be doing outside of sitting here and listening to some principles on how to resolve conflict. So from the bottom of my heart, I say thank you to you. Um, and uh, again, I think you being here just demonstrates a lot about your desire to grow. One of the things that I've learned about conference and workshops is I've been to a lot of them over the years, and a lot of them have been put on a shelf and forgotten. Uh, and some of the reason I've learned over the years is why I forget them is because there's so much information we kind of receive And so what I've kind of learned to do is I've kind of learned to forget about everything I've heard except maybe one or two things. Um, And so that's kind of a principle I've helped me. Maybe it'll help you, encourage you, just walk away maybe sometime in the next week, spend some time in prayer, some quiet time, and say, what's the one thing? And try and put the one thing into practice. And I think if you just put one thing into practice, you'd be amazed at uh, some of the changes. So that'd be uh, one thing. Other thing I want to mention is come back tomorrow. Tomorrow. Dwayne will be here tomorrow. He, will be, he has the morning message, and he's going to be talking about a conflict that happened over 2,000 years ago in the book of Philippians and kind of encourage us uh, with that in our service. So I want to come back tomorrow, invite people to come with you. Um, the other thing, just kind of announcement-wise, we have a care team here at the church, uh, Craig Aldifer, and a whole team of people. I think some of the care team here is here. Uh, Carol is on that team. Um, who else is here that's on that team? I don't think... Crystal is here. There's Crystal in the back. I think it's Laverne Eby is also in that team. She was here a little while ago. Um, but there's a whole team of people that oversees the, the physical, emotional, spiritual care, making sure no one falls through the cracks here at the church. It doesn't just fall on my shoulders. Um, I'm, of course, uh, play a role in that uh, with that as well. But uh, one of the things that I would mention is we have a care team, and uh, you saw one of those steps is seek uh, counsel, seek help. One of the things that I've learned uh, for myself personally, 
A lot of times, by the time we get to a counselor's office, it's too late. Uh, If I had listened to my wife early in our marriage about, hey, let's go get some help, I think I would have avoided a lot of marital trouble that may not have reached the trouble that it did if I had just said, you know what, let's go get some help when it's this big. Um, so I would say if you're in conflict with someone or this, you, you sit here and you think, man, I, there's things, I, get help. Even you think, well, it's really not that bad yet. I think if you're thinking about it, come talk to me, talk to Carol, talk to someone in the care team because we stand behind you, stand behind you to the point where we financially will support you. If, you, if that's what's keeping you from getting to counseling, we, we have means to help you walk with that. So just want to make that announcement, make you aware of that, and continue to um, elevate that. Um, the, I wanted to mention the, re, the hand in the, the uh, review of the day. Please do that. That's done. Uh, Dwayne already mentioned that. And the thing I'll end with is um, value relationships. It's one thing I heard repeated multiple times a day. And I, I want to close us in prayer. God, thanks so much for this day. Thank you for being a, a God who's at work, who is uh, bringing life. Uh, that's what Verve is, we've really said it's about. Uh, helping be in the process of your work, of seeing life and life to the full. And so, God, as we just talked about some principles today, understanding ourselves in conflict and our style of conflict and understanding how to kind of look at our own heart issues and take the plank out of our our eye and the realization that so often when we conflict with others, we meet the same person time in and time again, and that's us. Um, The the emphasis of being self-aware, God, and so many things we've talked about today, would you would you help instill these things? There's a storm coming and our minds are preoccupied with that and with work and with relationships and so much that's going on. May we just take some time and this week and stop and do that self inward looking along with you and be honest about what's there, deal with what's there and put a plan to bring others into our lives or, or seek the help that we need from you um, to be healthy in life. Uh, and do life abundantly like you've designed it to be done. So uh, to that end, we pray. Uh, Again, thank you, God. From the bottom of my heart as a pastor, it's so encouraging to see people uh, here making use of the resources that we as a church put out there to say, here's a help to walk through life. So thank you so much. May may you richly bless uh, each person that's been here. May they leave here encouraged, and may you help them just kind of pull that one principle out to apply. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.